0: Are, jamie amen thank you so much it is awesome to be with you all uh, my dear friend uh, paul milligan uh, i was going to be actually the last two days i've been in denver uh, at some uh, apostolic roundtables, and uh, pardon me if i had to sneak out a couple times uh, i'm not used to this elevation Monday night, I hardly slept in Denver. It dawned on me about four in the morning uh, why I was all dried out. And and I finally got on the Internet like, what is the matter with me? And they're like, get some water. And so I have been pounding down water the last two days. I said, man, I didn't remember this. I was in Colorado. I think the last time I was in Colorado Springs area was probably about 90, 98, 99, maybe 2000 uh, in Fountain and uh i was a little bit younger then and it didn't affect me the way it uh did this time so uh but it is really awesome to be with you had a uh, a great time at lunch uh, just uh getting to know uh, these angels got to set over this house and uh bless this man and woman of god we re- honor you and bless you and the grace that god's placed in you and uh and some of the leaders and everything else so that's uh that's been good and exciting uh, but my friend paul uh we got talking and he said listen i have some friends And he said, I'd really like you. uh, Could you stay over an extra day? And I said, yeah, I can do that. And so that that is why I'm here. The kingdom functions by relationships. Amen. The kingdom functions by relationships. Uh, Church sometimes functions by rules and regulations. And I'm really convinced the older I'm getting, many people have heard the gospel of the church. They've just not necessarily heard the gospel of the kingdom. And uh, there really is a difference uh, because it's not just about all of the stuff in the churchy things that we do. Uh, It really is about uh, life together. Uh, It is about something so much bigger than just attending something. It is being something. Uh, We are not human doings. We're human beings. Someone say amen. That is good, good, good news because for a lot of years, I was a human doing and I was very good at it. And when I made up my mind to stop working for God and start working with him, it changed everything. I, I, I'm not working less today. I'm probably actually doing more. And, uh, but the truth is, is I'm not wearing myself out uh, because now I'm doing it from a posture of already being loved, already being accepted. I'm not trying to get daddy to bless me. I'm already blessed. We've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I don't even give to get God to bless me. I give because I already am blessed, and because I am a blessing, I give. Everything that we do comes now from a posture of already being blessed. Isn't it interesting? The first thing, uh, the first thing that God said, one of the first things God said to Adam, He gave them something that we've called for years in the in the church a dominion mandate. And, and, and many people can quote, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and and have dominion over it. And we quote all that. But the first thing God says is, it said, and God blessed them. And and the truth is, you can't really be fruitful till you understand you're blessed. And the word there, God blessed him, it's actually a word that means God gave him special grace and special favor. That if you don't really understand the grace of God and the favor of God that's already on you because of what now God did. Not Interesting that Adam did nothing to deserve it. All he knows is God put his blessing on him. And once he got his blessing, the next thing that manifested was fruitfulness. Then the next thing that manifested uh, was multiplication. All of those things manifest out of understanding that we're already blessed. And for too many, they're still trying to get blessed. I call it the Acts One Church. They're still waiting for everything to drop out of the sky. I was raised in the classical Pentecostal church, and we went to altars my whole life, waiting for the Holy Ghost to fall. I, I, I never knew where He was actually falling from, but you know, we were always waiting for everything to drop out of the sky. Uh, when the truth is, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly Christ, and you have been, you have already, already past tense, been blessed with every heavenly blessing gift. Nothing's coming from heaven until Jesus comes. Uh, so you know, I stopped praying for an open heaven long, long time ago and realized there's an open heaven on the inside of me. And he wants to begin to do exceedingly abundantly above or beyond whatever I could ask or think according to the power, the dunamis, the ability that's working in me. And once I begin to realize that, he wants to open me up and begin to pour me out a blessing. Come on, y'all hear me? And most of the time, we're still waiting for everything to come. And if I'm still waiting for everything to come, then I don't know that I have it. And if I'm asking him for something I already have, that's called unbelief because I don't believe I have it. And if I'm asking for what I already have, I don't believe I already have it. I'm never going to walk in what I already have. Hallelujah. Don't ask me to repeat that. Come on. Are y'all with me? And I, I really am convinced it is so absolutely, absolutely, absolutely important in the body of Christ, that we not only know who he is and have a revelation of him, but we have to have a revelation that I am as he is on the earth. And that we are the king's twin. We are his doubles on this planet. We are Didymuses. And, and he's, he, he's looking. I've got a good friend of mine and he makes a statement all the time. He said, when I get to heaven, he said, many people, many people say, well, when we get to heaven, we want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. He said, this is what I want to hear. I want Jesus to look at me and say, I had a blast experiencing my creation in your body. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> And and I always add to that and I said I don't want I don't want to hear Jesus say, Man, you were a drag. You were like Bernie from weekend at Bernie's. I had to drag you all over the place. And I couldn't get you to move, I couldn't get you to do nothing. You were just a drag. Hallelujah. Because when we realize that he literally is living on the inside of us and he is wearing us like a suit and it is no longer I that live but Christ that lives in me. And if it's no longer I that live but Christ, then it is now him living his life through me. It's not me trying to live the Christian life. It's him living his life. Can I can I even mess with you a little bit? Do you realize it's not even about us trying to have a personal relationship with the Father? Do you know that we get to piggyback on Jesus' relationship with the Father? Because if it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me, I get to enjoy his relationship. And it's never broken. It's never up and down. It's, hallelujah, That's that one's really good news to me. And just living his life. I, I've been telling the folks at our, our church in Saginaw for the last year, I said, how many have been having a hard time living the Christian life? And, you know, at first they were all, oh, yeah, raising a hand. I said, then stop it. I said, stop trying to be a Christian. Let Jesus, he's a better Christian than you'll ever be. If you'll stop trying to live it and let him live the life, this is him living his life in us. This isn't us trying to live the life. It's him living his very life and essence through us. That's why he only anoints himself. Come on, help me a little bit. He's, he's really only blessing himself. Why? Because he's living on the inside of you. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro. Hey, you ever wonder why he, he said to Adam, where are you? It's not because he didn't know where Adam was. It's just that he couldn't find himself. Why? Because God made him in his image and his likeness. We needed the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The likeness was covered. And God went looking for himself, and he couldn't find himself. Hallelujah. Anyway, I, I, better, I better stick to maybe my assignment. Y'all looking at me funny already. Y- y'all are cerebral, y'all thinking, aren't you? That's it. Uh, listen, I- I- if you don't know who I am, quick introduction. Uh, my, I-, I am married, have uh, an amazing wife. Her name is Wendy. Uh, we've been married. This is our 23rd year. And uh, we have been traveling uh, literally all around the world for the last 23 years. Uh, my, I have two children. Uh, my daughter is almost 19, uh, and she's getting married this summer, so a big transition in our family. And then my son is 17, and uh, they've been on the roads uh, with us since they were two weeks old. Uh, they have been to 44 states, seven nations. They've traveled all over the world with us. And uh, not quite two years ago now, uh, we started a ministry in the inner city of a place called Saginaw, Michigan, which Saginaw is per capita the most dangerous city in America to live in for size. And then uh, uh, back here in January, we started a second campus in Flint, and Flint is the most dangerous city in America to live in. So God puts me in the midst of mess, hallelujah, because how many of you know God, God loves, he loves, he, he loves to take graveyards and turn them into gardens. Listen, I'm telling you, he loves to take graveyards and turn them into gardens. That's what that's what happened. Adam took a garden, turned it into a graveyard. Jesus took a graveyard, turned it into a garden. That's why when he rose from the dead, the women, when they saw him, they thought he was the gardener. Hallelujah. He was. Come on, the gardener had returned. He had returned to his garden, to garden again, and now we are the garden of God, and he's planting and sowing and putting things in us. And everywhere we go, he's called us to take the graveyard of this earth and begin to reproduce in Eden again. Begin to manifest a garden everywhere that we go, and release the life of the kingdom and the glory of the kingdom. And so, uh, God's placed us there. We're in the midst of that. We're getting ready to start our have our second year uh, anniversary at the end of April. And uh, I'd, I'd encourage you, if you're Facebook people, go on and, and like the church. Uh, it's called the Connection C O N N E X I O N. The reason for the X is X in the Greek is Christ. Uh, you know that's why you can't take Christ out of Christmas, but put an Xmas. Amen. You know, listen, Jesus is the original X-Man before Dr. Xavier ever came around. Amen. That's the name of our men's ministry, the X-Men. It's a bunch of superhumans. Hallelujah. Man, we've been metamorphosized and changed to transform. But uh, uh, there's a a reason that we did all that, but I'm not going to get into that. Uh, But... uh, uh, take a look on there. We also have. There's a link on there to our website, which is MakeTheConnection.net. Make sure it's .net because .com is a lesbian pickup site. Amen. And uh, you know, we had some people go to .com and think we don't think this is the church. Jamie's talking about <laughs> kind of confuse, <laughs> kind of confuse some people and uh and so d- dot net and we have podcasts that we put up on there on a regular basis where we're putting uh, our messages and teachings and different things up, and you can go listen to for free uh which that is uh that is always nice and so uh, I am here uh this time on my own since we started the church, my family uh, is a major portion of the worship team. Uh, my son and daughter lead worship for us. Uh, their mother has a degree in sacred music, but now she just backs them up and harmonizes with them. It's time to let the next generation take over. Uh, she's been at the piano uh, doing altar services with me uh, for 22 years, and she's oh, it's time for the babies. They can, they can do it now. Uh, my children are ridiculously gifted. I-, I would love to take credit for it, uh, but the truth is they're fourth-generation preachers, uh, they don't have any choice. That's just a—that's an inheritance. It's a blessing. I would love to take credit. Uh, truth is that my grandmother started churches all over mid-Michigan in the 30s and 40s. In, uh, in the, it sounds late now. The 1900s. It almost almost sounds funny to say back in the 1900s. Uh, you know, and, and, and back then people were throwing tomatoes at them and they were meeting actually out in the woods And people were tarrying for the baptism of the Holy Ghost and all that old time Pentecostal stuff. And so I'm very grateful. I'm I'm third generation on one side of the family, second on the other. Uh, My kids are are, are amazingly gifted. Uh, My daughter, she's got some music on YouTube. Uh, They're getting ready to load up a bunch of her brand new songs that she's written. She's an incredible worship leader. Uh, Literally, if you imagine Kim Walker on steroids, uh, that literally is my daughter. I mean, she sounds very much like her, but, but she's got a stronger voice. Um, and, and very gifted. And then my son is a hardcore band, uh, you know, so he's uh, first concert we went to, I turned to my wife and I said, we're officially old. I said, I have no idea what they're saying. And, uh, but, but it's, it's amazing because, you know, I I trained my kids to think apostolically and that is to go into the world, not be afraid of it. I was raised in church, that we were we were told to be afraid of the world, and we were told to, our favorite scripture was "come out and be separate." That we had to stay away from, even though the apostolic mandate of the church is to go into every culture and transform it. And I was raised that you don't want to get near them because what's on them might get on you. And what they should have been doing is teaching us how powerful we were in the king and the kingdom, and told us that what's on you is going to get on them and instead they instilled fear in us rather than faith and so we were running away from the world rather than going into it and transforming it and so most of uh, the concerts that my son does we've had three labels already want to sign them and I've held off on that because I, I told him I said first of all uh, you know we got two of the guys still in school they're finishing up this year And uh, but most of what they do is secular uh, we don't want them to sign to a Christian label I said I'd rather you be the hardcore Bono uh, so I, I, want, I want you to go into a culture right now that's completely godless, and uh, my, my wife, uh, the third concert we went to, we, we didn't know it was a Christian concert, and the first band got up and said, hey everybody, you know, F you, you know, I mean, start cussing everybody out, I, I turned to my wife and I said, I don't think this is Christian, and she said, you know, you think, and then all of a sudden everybody started passing the joints, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, and my wife said, what do I do, I said, don't inhale, you know, <laughs> be Bill Clinton, <laughs> you know, blow it up, <laughs> Don't inhale, honey, don't inhale. I mean, what do you do? There it is. Uh, but then his band got up, and they did their set, and then he got up in the middle, and he's like, hey, everybody listen to me. Look at me right now. And, you know, you know, everybody's staring at him. He said, there's only one reason we play, only one reason we sing. Let's give glory and honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the two-minute little sermonette where all he does is tell him, he said, listen, he said, don't blame Jesus for crazy Christians. He said, and crazy stuff you've seen in church. He said, God loves you. He's crazy about you. He's got an incredible destiny and plan for your life. His grace is awesome towards you. If you want to talk to us about it, you can come to our merch table afterwards. In the midst of that, I mean, I, I mean, t- talking about bringing church, bringing the kingdom right into a completely pagan area. I mean, man, I stood there. Man, daddy was so proud. And I said, man, you go, boy. That's what I raised you for. And all these kids coming up afterwards and talking, really, you guys are Christian. We never met any cool Christians. and. And they could sit there and share the gospel with them. And so uh, that's just a little bit about our family. And and I, I know there's going to be some big stuff in the future with them. I'm excited. My kids love God with all their heart. That right there for Preacher's Kids is a miracle all in itself. Uh, God said to me a long time ago, you can't you can't run around and try to father anybody else if you can't even disciple your own two in your house. And I know preachers run around trying to do all kinds of stuff, and their kids are all in crack, and they're all messed up. And I made up my mind uh, that man, my, I want my babies to serve God first, and, and I'm not going to lose my seed uh, to the enemy, period. Uh, that's why Malachi 3 uh, makes very clear to us that God seeks. The reason he brings a man and a woman together is because God seeks godly offspring. Uh, God chases down our seed. Uh, let me just encourage you. If you've got kids running from God right now, God's a stalker. Come on, you hear me? Listen, I'm, I'm I'm telling you, God seeks; He's chasing down godly offspring. And if you've got if you've got offspring, uh, they're, they're gods. I'm telling you, He's running them down. I know because I ran for five years, and He wouldn't leave me alone. He would not leave me alone. Sitting around getting stoned with my friends, and in the midst of it, I'd start preaching Jesus to them, and they wouldn't let me turn the lights off. And you know, listen, it's amazing how the Holy Ghost never leaves you, never forsakes you. But, you know the way I, the way I was raised. You know that that you know if you ever went into a den of iniquity, which for us that was a movie theater. Uh, you know if, if you ever went in, if you ever went into a den of iniquity, that you know before you go in you'd stand outside and the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost would jump out and then you'd go in and you'd do your thing and then when you come out you say forgive me Jesus and then they jump back in. And listen, if you can't relate with that, you got to say thank you Jesus. And, thank God I have no idea what you're talking about man because I'm telling you that that's the kind of stuff I I tell people for years I was raised under terrorist preachers you understand what I? and I and and how how I put it is this you know Jesus said this he said uh, he said to the man with the withered hand he said stretch forth your hand you know what makes a hand withered when it's balled up and I said, this is where the church has been for a lot of years. The preachers, the fivefold minister ministry gifts have been making a fist and beating on the church. And Jesus on that seven day, showed up and he said, I want you to stretch forth your hand because I want it to go from a fist to a blessing. I want you to release people apostolically. I, I want you to stop beating people over the head. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And for too long, uh, for too long, uh, I served a God I was terrified of and that I was afraid of. Everything was sin. I told people for years that I learned how to sin in the Pentecostal church because we preached about sin so much, they gave me some ideas that I never thought of on my own. I mean, everything, everything was a sin rather than teaching us the goodness of Abba and just showing us that he's better than we ever thought. It's amazed me. I've had more people get mad at me in the last 15 years preaching that Jesus was nicer than you ever thought he was than all of the time sending everybody to hell every time they look funny at somebody. It's it amazes me how you can stir up religion when you preach. God really is good, really is good. So, well, let me get to let me get to my assignment. I know, I mean, I gotta be careful here tonight because I already I feel a pull. I'm like, help me, Jesus. And when I go someplace for the first time and you ain't never heard me, uh, that makes things real dangerous because then I gotta know when to shut up. And when not to go down any bunny trails and just stay focused on my assignment. Uh, If you have your Bibles or phones or iPads or whatever apparatus your Bible is on, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3. As I do believe I have an assignment tonight. I'm going to start in verse number 5. And allow me, I'm going to read out of the Message Bible uh, just because I I really think the verbiage on this is something I want to... I want to hit home. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 5. Who do you think Paul is anyway, or Apollos for that matter? Servants, both of us, servants who waited on you as you gradually learned to entrust your lives to our mutual master. We each carried out our servant assignment. I planted the seed, Apollos watered the plants, but God made you grow. It's not the one who plants or the one who waters, who is at the center of this process, but God. I mean, I think of that statement for a minute. For too long, it's all been about the preachers. It's not the one who plants or the one who waters who's at the center, but God who makes things grow. Planting and watering are menial servant jobs at minimum wages. What makes them worth doing is the God we are serving. You happen to be God's field in which we are working. Or to put it another way, you are God's house. Using the gift God gave me as a good architect, I design blueprints. Apollos is putting up the walls. Let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. Everybody say foundation. Remember, there's only one foundation, the one already laid, Jesus Christ. Take particular care in picking out your building materials. Eventually, there's going to be an inspection. If you use cheap or inferior materials, you'll be found out. The inspection will be thorough and rigorous. You won't get by with a thing. If your work passes inspection, fine. If it doesn't, your part of the building will be torn out and started over. But you won't be torn out. You'll survive. Someone say hallelujah. You'll survive. And the Message Bible says just barely. I think New King James and King James says as by fire. Uh, which, you know, they got had to terrify you, I guess, with something right there. Uh, the the whole as by fire and so uh, let, let me uh, let me get into this tonight. Uh, I, I already uh, a couple of weeks ago it was already in my heart uh, as I was meditating on on this night uh, to share this. But then uh, uh, Galen, when he took me through the building, said something, and man, I, I'm telling you, it went off uh, went off in my spirit that where you're even meeting that this was the the foundational church building for this region. He said the first church building built in the town. Isn't that correct? Well, you said the first church, and the first of something is extremely important because it's about a foundation. Now normally foundations is not anything we get super excited about. So uh, I promise uh, we're going to have a good time, but you're going to have to stick with me for a minute here. All right, we're going to we're going to deal with some stuff because uh, this ministry is in now it's first year. Have you started into the second year already? Okay, started into the second year. This is still a foundation-building time of 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 who are we, where are we going? My my call and mandate is an apostolic one and a prophetic one. And according to Ephesians, apostles and prophets are foundation layers. And so it, it, it's not just about coming in and and laying hands and imparting it. And listen, I love all that stuff, and we'll get to that. But it's also about laying a foundation that 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 that, that can be built on for generations. I. Uh, When I read this passage, the thing about it that I got to be honest, inside me, uh, because I've watched this for years in church, is Paul said, listen, I'm a good architect, I'm laying the foundation, others are going to come along and, and, and build the walls, but remember if you don't build on the right foundation, he said, then everything you have done, there will come a day and a season where it will be torn out and another generation will have to start all over. I think part of the thing that I've watched through the years that has been a little bit of a frustration to me when it comes to ministries is that because many times we're not building things generationally and we're not looking at building them for generations to come, we're normally many times looking at just what we can do for us. If it's not if it's not to at least three generations, if we're not multi-generational in our thinking, then we're really not laying a foundation for the next generation. What happens is the next generation has to come along and start all over. And it seems like there's constantly ministries rather than rather than lasting generationally and being able to see things happen as a family where there's an inheritance that get passed down from father and mother to the children to the grandchildren and that it's something you can a vision you can buy into that says you know what this thing isn't going to be a fly by net it's going to be here today and gone tomorrow but it's going to last for generations and there's something about buying into something that when you know it's going to be around for your grandkids you can put your life into something. And what I've watched and observed, and not only growing up in the church world, but also now 23 years of traveling all over this country, is it seems like if if foundations aren't laid. And see, we don't get excited about foundations, because just think of the natural. I got to be honest, I don't know if I've ever been driving on the road, looked at my wife, and said, honey, check out that foundation of that house. You know, I mean, I mean, who gets excited? I've never walked over, come over to someone's house and say, listen, can I I come down and check out your foundation? You know, do you have a basement? I want to come down and check out your basement. Normally, we're looking at peaks and bay windows, and we're looking at landscaping. We're looking at the outside of the house and and how beautiful it looks. But if the foundation isn't right, everything else isn't right. And what will happen is, this is what would happen in in ancient cultures. Back uh, when I was getting ready to start the ministry uh, in Saginaw, One of the things the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about uh, is having me do a study on the word sincerity. And it kind of bugged me at first. uh, Because, you know, I was like, you know, you're trying to tell me I'm not sincere. You know, I mean, okay, just be honest with me. If you don't feel I'm sincere. But uh, when I did the study, the word sincerity is a Greek word that's very interesting. It actually is translated without wax. And when I first studied it, I was like, what does sincerity have to do with being without wax? I mean, because the only thing I could think of, you know, is, you know, I mean, clear, clear your ears out. You know I mean? If you're not sincere, you're not hearing. I don't know. You know I mean? You got wax in your ears. But when I did a study on it, in ancient cultures, especially like when Paul was writing, when he said, let your love be with sincerity, let your ministry needs to function, a foundation of it is it has to be built on a sincere love for people. It can't be built on you wanting to build your kingdom and do your thing. It's really got to be about not even just building a church, but building people. And, and so one of the things began to speak to me about, and I did a study on this, in ancient cultures, they would build buildings to last for hundreds and thousands of years. Many times we build buildings and within about five years, everything's starting to crack and you got drywallers got to come back in and he's got to fix some stuff uh, simply because many times we're not building stuff to last for generations. And so what they would do is if they were going to build a synagogue or a palace or a business or a home, they would go to a marble or a granite dealer. And if they were sincere, they would sell you cornerstones or pillars and, and, and chunks of marble and granite that had no cracks in them. If they had no cracks, then, then you would know that this is something that could last for generations. But if they were insincere, they would sell you pillars and marble and granite that had cracks, but you didn't know there were cracks in it because they would take wax and fill in the cracks. And so what would happen is you would buy something or you'd buy into something that looked like it was right, but, but, but this wax was covering up all of the cracks in the foundation. And all of a sudden, about 50 years later, what would happen is the place would start to tilt, things would get off kilter. And rather than being able to last generationally for generation after generation, if the foundation isn't right, if it's not built on sincerity, and the Holy Spirit said to me, because half of my church are former gangbangers. I, I mean, I got some, I got some big... Big old Hispanic boys, big old black boys. I mean, I mean, I, I, I mean my house, I, I got some folks, I, I was sharing with them at lunch. We got a smoking section right outside our door. Uh, I said, you know, I mean, I've got two of the biggest pot dealers in Saginaw. They got saved, start coming to our church. And, you know, it took them a little while, you know, to stop because they still like glaucoma. I don't know, you know. <laughs> And, and, and what the Holy Spirit said to me is this. He said, "He said these people are going to be able to spot whether you're sincere a mile off. And you're going to have to look past the droopy drawers. You're going to have to look past where they are. And I walk up to these boys every time I see them. And they're big boys, so I like to hit big guys. When I get around big guys, you know, I mean, I'm a big guy. I like to pound, pound on them a little bit. I walk up and, and I pound on them. I say, hey, big boy, I'm proud of you, man. I believe in you. You're better than you think you are. You're better than you are acting." Son, I'm gonna keep telling you who you are, you start acting like it. Whew. There's something about an affirmation that comes from a father figure in their life that says, you know what? The truth is, in Christ, you're better than you're acting right now because he's made you something in him. But but, but you've got to begin to see yourself. And the Lord said to me in 1999, he said, I don't want you to run around preaching anymore to the outer man. I want you to preach not to the old man, but the new man. I want you to call the Abraham out of the Abrams. I want you to call. I know Jacob might be lying, tricking and deceiving, but there's a prince with God on the inside of him. I don't want you to preach to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want you to talk to Azariah, Hananiah, and Mishael. I don't want you to focus on Simon, the one who's up and down and flaky. I, I want you to call the rock out of him. I want you to look past their issues and begin to affirm, and begin to speak, and begin to pull the new man out of him. Jesus was awesome at this. I mean, Jesus first meets Nathanael and he doesn't look at Nathanael and say, you know what, man, you hot dog. Man, you, you were just telling people, I, I, I wasn't even to Christ, and, and I wasn't nobody. He looks at him and he says, Behold, a man in whom there is no guile. He exposes one good part about his character. And the Bible says immediately he becomes a disciple. Not a believer, a disciple. Why? Because Jesus looked past his issues. When Jesus sees Zacchaeus, he doesn't say, Hey, you filthy, rotten, stinking little heathen. You've been ripping people off. You need to repent. Get your life right with God. You're on your way to hell in a handbasket. All he does is he sees him and he says, Hey, Zach, I want to come to your house. Hey Zach, he gives them grace. One of the main re- matter of fact, one of the main meanings of grace is the word acceptance. He gives them acceptance. He says, "I." Accept you unconditionally, because the truth is, all of us in here we're, we're we're not a whole lot different than Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus means pure. There's something pure in every single person that wants to see the real Jesus, not the religious one, not the churchy one, the real Jesus. But many times we can't see Jesus because what's stopping us is we're short of stature. And li- listen, that, that, I don't believe that's just talking about height and size. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and many times it is the issues in our life and that old nature that's keeping us from seeing, it, especially before we come to Jesus, but. But then I'm convinced the greatest hindrance to people seeing Jesus is then it said the crowd that was running with him, he couldn't see him. So many people are looking at the Christians running with Jesus that they can't see Jesus. And so I had to climb up in a tree, a sycamore tree, an imperfect fig tree. People aren't looking for perfect trees, just some trees. Come on, hello, trees. Some trees of righteousness rooted and grounded in love, not condemnation, not fear. Hallelujah and i got to be careful, I want to run off and preach on an imperfect fig tree, that maybe he wasn't even short, maybe it's just that he'd been fed the law for so long, and when Adam ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he put on some figs. Hallelujah. Listen, how many of you know the law will make you feel small? It'll, It'll make you feel like you're a nobody, and all of a sudden, when you get a glimpse of Jesus, Lord have mercy, it changes everything, everything about you. There's something about that affirmation, but the foundation is full of wax. If it's off, then everything else we build, there can come a time, and I just told the Lord, I'm I'm not old, but I'm not young. I'm in my mid-40s, and I said, Lord, I don't want to spend the next 20 years building something that is then going to get knocked down and started over, whether it's in my family, my personal life, ministry, business, whatever it is that is going on in your life. So now let me Let me really get to the crux of what I want to talk about. In a house, a foundation, there's a cornerstone, but there's more than just one. There's normally four corners of a house. Uh, Now, not all of them, but most of them. I really want to deal with four foundational pieces that I believe the New Covenant teaches us that are very extremely important for us in building anything. The first one, is we have to the right foundation, it has to be the Son, Jesus. Everybody say the Son. Now, now, now that almost sounds redundant, but let, let me give you this. Paul said the foundation is Jesus Christ. And and we don't say, Oh, yeah, oh yeah, well, I I know Jesus. Well, the only problem with that is this. Is Paul said, if anyone comes and preaches another Jesus to you. So so that means And now listen, please allow me to generalize. I'm not pointing at anybody here uh, because I don't sense that about this house. But I've walked into churches, and by the time I got done preaching Jesus, people walked up to me and said, I never knew that one. I've been in church my whole life. The Jesus you're talking about, I've never experienced. Because when Paul said... If anyone comes and preaches another Jesus, he was really talking at that time to the church and he was speaking to the Gentile church because all of the Judaizers were coming in and constantly trying to add to the goodness of of God's forgiveness and grace, trying to add all kinds of mixture in law and rules and circumcision. I mean, that one, you know, that one... You know that one messes with you right there. I mean, Paul actually said one day, you know, he warned the Gentiles. He said, you know, watch out for the concision. And it says some Jews came from Jerusalem to spy out their circumcision. You ever thought about that one for a minute? <laughs> I'm mean, listen. Th- this is how sick religion is. Okay. I mean, there's only one way to spy out someone's circumcision. Okay. You know, hey, Elder Roy. Well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna put you at the bathroom. And anyway, I call it a drop your drawers altar service. You know. Let's check it out, boys. I mean, but but do you realize how sick that is? Come on, listen. I ain't got a religious bone in my body. You might as well get used to it right now. I mean, how how messed up is that? I mean, we got to come check out. I mean, <laughs> it's like really. You know, it, 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 imagine you're telling a Greek that you know what now. There's this forgiveness in Jesus. There's a brand new start. Ooh, they're like, man, this is good news. This is awesome. And then someone shows up a little bit later. Yeah, but, you know, n- n- now here's the scalpel. You know, I've told people for years, I said, listen, you know, if, if that's the truth, then, you know, we better have some communion first. And you might want to add some whiskey in there before you go, <laughs> before you go cutting. I mean, we better make sure there's some morphine or something up in there. You know, and, and then they say, and on top of it, you got to keep the law of Moses. And here's a bunch of Greeks saying, Moses, who's this dude? You know, I mean, I don't even know who this Moses dude is. Because you can listen to even people teaching about Jesus and listen close. Man, the Lord said this to me this last year, it shook me. He said, most believers have had a revelation of the historical Jesus and the Jesus on the cross. But many have not met the new covenant, Jesus, on the other side of the cross. And the picture is this. If you remember the story of the men on the road to Emmaus, the Bible says that on the road to Emmaus, Jesus, in his resurrected form, after, now the cross, after it is finished, he shows up and starts walking, and disciples that knew him over here, So they had met the Jesus in the Gospels. They knew the Jesus on the cross, the brown hair, brown bearded Jesus, but they had not met now the risen Savior who was in a completely different form. He began to talk to them, but they didn't recognize him because it's not that his character wasn't the same, but it was now a different Jesus. See, what we've done for years is this. We pull out our little bracelets that say WWJD. The problem with that is this. What would Jesus do? The problem is this is we then take people to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and tell them, you got to study everything he did and live like that. Good luck with that one. Because Jesus was born under the law to perfect the law. Now listen, I, 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 don't, I, I don't want to assume you know more than you know, and I don't want to assume that you don't know. So, you know, listen. If, if you already know some of this, that's cool. I, I just, you know, I've learned, I've traveled enough, no assumptions. I just can't. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 1993. I was sitting in a red lobster with a woman who became a spiritual mother to me, one of the greatest teachers of the 20th century, a woman by the name of Dr. Fuchsia Pickett. And uh, if, you've ever, if you've ever seen ever of her books in a bookstore, you need to buy them. Mother Pickett had incredible, incredible, incredible revelation. And she poured into me, uh, well, um, until she died. I think she died about 2004, 2005. And I'll never forget. I, I, I'd been out of Bible school a couple of years. She sat down with me. She looked at me. She said, son, she said, one thing I want, I want you to understand. She said, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is not the new covenant. She said, Jesus was not speaking to Christians. He was speaking to Jews under the law. She said, There were no Christians on the planet yet. He had to die first. So you cannot, you cannot take the words. I had one preacher tell me, I only preach the words in red. I said, Well, good for you. you. You know, you love the law. I said, Because Jesus, now, now, it's still, it's applicable to us. But, but how many of you know something? If Jesus said this, that, that, Under the law and in the Gospels, he said, if you don't forgive men on earth, then your Father in heaven won't forgive you. Now now listen, and what we've done for years is that's what we've told people. We say, well, you know, if you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. But then Paul says in Romans, forgive as you already have been forgiven. It's not contingent on my forgiveness. It's contingent on whether he forgave. So it's not what I do. It's about what he already completed. But, But what I began to realize is this is a major portion of my life. I knew the Jesus of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the one on the cross. That, did, that brought a salvation in my life. But Paul said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. In other words, Paul said, I don't want to just know the historical man, the son of man. I want to know the son of God. According to Second Corinthians 3, the one I'm called to be conformed to and look like is not the historical figure that we have hanging up in our houses, long, flowing hair, nice, handsome guy with a pretty beard, but it is, it is the resurrected Jesus. And let me just say this to you, because when this hit me, I'm telling you, this thing about ran over our church when I said it, because I, I, I did a series on leprosy. The Lord, for some reason, had me preach on leprosy. And, you know, I mean, leprosy, that which is outside the camp, and it affects the body so that limbs fall off and parts of the body are disconnected and hallelujah anyway it, it, they, they have their own camp outside the camp but I begin to do this study on leprosy and leprosy is a picture of not only sin but rebellion when Miriam uh, was rebellious she was smitten with leprosy in the Old Testament but in Leviticus it says this that whenever there was a plague in the land it said leprosy would turn the people's hair white I, I'm telling you I've read over this for years it never dawned on me that that, that When Miriam was smitten with leprosy, it says her hair turned white as wool. So white hair was a picture of of leprosy. And, and, And while I'm in the midst of teaching, it all of a sudden what hit me is that John the Revelator, when he got a glimpse of the resurrected Jesus... He didn't see a brown hair, brown beard, Jesus. It said his hair and his beard were white as wool. And all of a sudden, what hit me about it was this. Why did the men on the road to Emmaus not recognize Jesus? It's because not only did he take on a new form, but the new covenant Jesus doesn't look like the Jesus of the Gospels because the revelation that's different is this. Is if white hair is a picture of leprosy, and leprosy is a type of sin and rebellion, that on the cross, he who knew no sin so became sin that it so got in his DNA that when he rose from the dead it turned his hair white so now for all of eternity every time we see him we're going to be reminded he took my sins away every time we view the white-haired Jesus that's why Paul said anytime we see him we're changed into that image from glory to glory by the face of Jesus Christ that's not the brown-haired Jesus but the white-haired one it is seeing this resurrected Savior full of grace and truth and power that every time we see him, no wonder when the angels see him, they say, holy, holy, worthy, worthy. He just didn't die for me. He died as me. And when he rose, it changed his countenance. Come on, are y'all with me? So the foundational Jesus, the foundation is Jesus Christ. It must be the new covenant Jesus. I I can't preach mixture and confusion and then lay a right foundation. Come on, you with me? The right Jesus has got to be laid. He's the chief cornerstone. But it's got to be the Jesus, not on that side of the cross. I've got to know the Jesus on this side of the cross. Hallelujah. I tell you, some of y'all are going to shout a month from now about it. I promise. It's, it's going to jump in you. you going be driving down the road. Hey! I know, because it took me a minute. Trust me. <laughs> now watch this. Jesus is the foundation. Church isn't the foundation. Going to church isn't the foundation. Attending meetings is not the foundation. Jesus is the foundation of everything we build, from our families to businesses to our homes. But it must be this Jesus. That is why 1 John 2, or chapter 3, puts it like this. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Well, how is as he is? Resurrected, seated on the throne. Amen. <sighs> Amen. A new covenant, white haired, white beard Jesus. Yeah. Not not Zeus. Come on, not the one with the long beard with the lightning bolt. That, that, that's like the cop in the rearview mirror that even when you're driving a speed limit, got your seatbelt on, you still let off the gas because you got to be guilty about something. I mean, he's going to strike you down as quick. And if you have one bad thought, you're done. He's going to strike you down. So if we're laying any foundation, anything that we do, the first foundation is the sun. Everybody say the sun. Now let me get to the second one. The second foundation is sonship. Everybody say sonship. I am as he is now on the earth. So now what's true of him now is true of me. Peter put it like this. Jesus said, who do they say I, the son of man am? And guys began to say all kinds of stuff. And he said, that's good. But now who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says this. Simon Bar-Jonah, just means son of Simon, son of Jonah, flesh and blood, has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven, and now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, this revelation, I'll build, grow, increase, mature my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, to me, what's interesting about this is the first time Jesus meets Simon, he looks at him in John 1, and he says, you are Simon. Simon is a word that means someone that is unsteady, that is up and down. One translation is flaky, and he said, you know, you're unsteady, unsteady. You're, uh, you know, you're a little bit flaky, but you shall be, Peter. There, I, I see a stone. You're a chip off the old block. Whew. I see a Petros in the Petra. I see that you're a stone in the rocks and I see something steady and strong in you. And three years later or so all of a sudden he has a revelation of the rock, Jesus, the Petra and then Jesus says now I say to you that you are Peter. In other words, he said when he first met him you are Simon but you shall be Peter but once he has a revelation of Jesus as the Christ, the foundation Jesus then says to him now you are what I said you would become and now I say that you are Peter now you are a stone in the rock and on this revelation yes. I'll build my church I'll grow my church in other words for us to grow we have to not only have a revelation of Jesus as the chief cornerstone we have to also know that we are now sons in who he is well pleased mm-hmm. that we are Petroses, we are Peter called it later on he said we are living stones being built into a spiritual house we are stones in the rock. And, and, and what, I, what I love about that, I don't know if you thought of this, but Jesus one day, not too much longer after that, he turns to Simon Peter and he said, listen, you're going to deny me three times for the rooster crows. Peter said, absolutely not. There's no way I would deny you. We know the story, he does. But then Jesus rises from the dead. The women come to the tomb, see him. And the Bible tells us this, that Jesus tells the women, go tell the disciples And Peter, notice, I'm telling you right over this for years, he didn't say go tell the disciples and Simon. He did not remind him of who he used to be. The reason he used Peter's name exactly is he was reminding him, son, I know you messed up. I know you denied me. I know you screwed up royally, but I still see you. Whew. I see your identity still as a chip off the old block. You're still Peter. And I'm not going to call you who you used to be. The moment he heard Peter, he took off running. Because he knew I'm still accepted in the beloved. I'm still a son in whom my daddy is well pleased with. Even though I messed up big time, he's still, nothing can snatch me from his hand. I'm still in the ball. He loves me. The foundation of who Christ is, but not just any Jesus, the, the new covenant Jesus, but then who we are now in him. You can't grow, you can't increase, you can't build anything without a revelation of who he is and now who you are in him. I meet Christians all the time who've had a revelation of Jesus but have no clue who they are in Christ. Because I can normally tell by their verbiage. Normally, in our verbiage, when someone doesn't really know who they are, those are the people that are still begging for stuff they already have. Hmm? Strangers in the land of promise. Still, still bawling and squalling for everything that he's already provided, rather than just by faith receiving it and believing it. There's something that happens, I'm no longer, listen to this statement, the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of servants, it's a kingdom of sons who choose to serve, and if I don't understand that the kingdom is a kingdom of sons and daughters, all creation is not groaning for the son. The church, for for 180 years or more now, has been groaning for the son to return to the planet, but Jesus, when he was on the planet, he said, Father, those you've given me do not take them out of this world because i need an expression of who i am i need some bodies to climb in to begin to turn the graveyard back into a garden again i need some help on the earth and i want to get in them to manifest my life and paul said all creation is groaning not for the son but for the sons He's has been all creation is groaning for the manifestation of the weos, the mature sons of God who have the heart and the character of the Father. Creation is groaning. The animal kingdom, the plant kingdom. The lion don't want to eat the lamb. He wants to lay with the lamb. He's waiting for the sons of God. There's something something that takes place when I understand not only a revelation of the Son, but when I realize how he views me. I'll never know who I am until I first know who he is. I will live in an identity crisis my whole life trying to measure up. I'll I'll, I'll be acting like an orphan when I'm a son. Listen, do you realize I'm becoming more convinced the older that I get that the biggest problem on our planet is not a sin problem, but an identity problem. I have a young man who comes to our church. He was... Most of his life he grew up in the south side of Chicago, and he was a gangbanger. He's only about 40. He's got a 22-year-old son serving life in Joliet prison uh, for murdering someone. And he got saved about seven years ago, started coming to our church. And uh, I was doing a series on identity, and we had had uh, another church give us a uh, a van. And uh, I took him with me to go down to pick up the van, and on the way back we stopped to eat lunch. And he said to me, he said, you know, I've been going here eight weeks now. And he said, this series you've been preaching. He said, I actually feel like I'm hearing the gospel for the first time. I said, you probably are. I mean, because it was actually good news. And and he said to me, he said, I really want to start getting involved. He said, but I've got to share something with you. And he said, this, this this might, this might you know, this might kill that. I said, well, all right, I'm listening. He said, you know that I, I'm a bounty hunter. And he said, I also am a chapel in, uh, in the prison systems. And he said, I take... Uh, the young men uh, in the juvenile homes that are let out, and I, I, I trained them on, on substance abuse, how to stay away from it and everything else. And he said, what's crazy about that is he said, once or twice a year. He said, I don't know what it is, something grabs hold of me. And he said, I go out on a binge, and I get drunk. He said, I don't want to get drunk. I don't know why I do it. I don't want to. Just something grabs hold of me. And I said, so what's the problem? And he said, well, uh, I just told you the problem. I said, I ain't heard a problem. He said, man, you're a trip. He said, I just told you that I teach substance abuse, how to stay away from it. And I go out a couple times a year. I said, I still ain't heard a problem. I said, I have heard a symptom. I said, the truth is this, son. I said, the sin is not the issue. You need to find out why you're doing it. And why you're doing it is because you don't really know who you are. It's an identity problem. And you're believing a lie about who you really are in Christ. And you're in the right place because we can help get those lies out of you if you get the right healing and you get in the right place. And what we'll do is we'll 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 begin to teach you who you are. And when it finally dawns on you who you really are, you're going to start acting who like who you really are, not who you used to be. Yeah. See, it's how the the enemy got Adam out of the garden and out of a finished work. He got him out of the garden by coming to him and saying, if you eat of this tree, you'll be like God. What Adam should have said is, I already am. He was made in the image and likeness of God. Satan deceived him into believing he was an orphan when he was a son. And when he believed a lie about himself, that lie opened the door then for sin to grab hold of him. That is why the devil's not stupid. He said, if it worked with the first Adam, when Jesus came out of the Jordan River, the father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He's led by the spirit into the wilderness. And the first thing the devil says to him is, if you are the son, he, he realized, if I, can, if I can get his identity skewered and get him to believe a lie about what daddy says he is, he'll open the door and then sin will come in. Hallelujah. I love Jesus' response. He said, this one ain't working on me, chief. This might have worked with the first stab, and this ain't working with me. I am what Daddy says I am. I have what he says I have. I can do what he says. I'm not going to believe anything you say about me, but that which the Father says is true of me. Daddy says I'm whole and complete. Daddy says I'm healed. Daddy says I'm righteous. Daddy says I'm holy. Father says that he's blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly Christ. Father sees me as the head and not the tail. Above and I believe. I'm his son in who he is well pleased if I acted crazy this week or not. He views me differently than you you, you see me. And if I could just say... See myself the way daddy sees me. That I am a son. That's why the kingdom of God is a kingdom of sons. Now, I left out daughters on purpose. Because there's no daughters of God. They're sons of God. Now, there's a reason for that. Our relationship with God vertically, we are a female. We're his wife. Let me just say this. We're not the bride. We're his wife. We're already married according to Romans chapter 7. My wife is not my bride. She was my bride for one day. We then consummated. She's no longer... Are y'all with me? I lost a few of you right there. The New Jerusalem, which is the corporate body completely coming together when everything's said and done, that's the bride. But we are his wife. You're no longer to be married to the law, but to the one who gave himself and died for you because you cannot have intimacy if you're the bride. It's called fornication. Come on, are you with me? You you, you can't have sex before marriage? Come on, i so so God's not going to he's not going to call you his bride who's not yet consummated and then tell you go have some intimacy with me and birth some babies on the earth. I mean, it just don't make any sense we're already married there's already a marriage supper that took place jesus said this at the at the last supper he said you know what he said you, I, he said i'm not gonna drink of this cup again until until you enter with me into my father's kingdom i'm telling you, you pop the cork on the day of pentecost and we've been drinking the new wine ever since that ain't someday over yonder that's a present reality right now and we can fellowship with him right now I don't have to wait to die to go there. Listen, 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 I don't have to wait to die to go to heaven. Jesus died and took me already to heaven. All right, this is not about me trying to go over yonder. I'm already there. I'm a citizen. I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ. I ain't waiting to die to go to heaven. I died 2,000 years ago. Woo, and I'm already where most folks are dying to get. And I'm convinced if we never start acting like we're already there, somebody might want to go with us. Man, the church I was raised in. You know, everybody will be happy over there. And and we'll all shout when we get there. And all the fun's over there. I remember thinking, man, well, you know, maybe Jim Jones had something good going on there. Why don't we all just drink some Kool-Aid and go? I mean, if all the fun is over there, what in the world are we doing here? I mean, let's just go. <laughs> Lord, I'm bumping the mountains. I got to be careful with talk like that, don't I? I always tell folks, a preacher wants to give you Kool-Aid. Run, run. (laughs) The more secure I am as a son, it is foundational in building anything. He said, this is how I build my church, is a revelation of the son and a revelation of the son's. Because my relationship with him is as a wife. Because I'm receiving seed. I'm a reservoir. I'm a receiver when it comes to my heavenly husband pouring into me. When, when, when you have encounters, that's when you're being a reservoir. You're saying, God, just fill me, flow through me. But then it can't stop there. And, and, and listen, I, I preach in all kinds of streams and flows. And I go to some places and all everybody wants to do is soak all the time. But then they don't want to talk to their neighbor good teaching brother hallelujah huh because what we do is we become a reservoir and what we do is we become too salty See, salt is supposed to be a savor. I, I love french fries when they got the right amount of salt on them. You put too much salt, and what is supposed to be something that tastes good all of a sudden tastes nasty. And people that are only reservoirs, all they do is, just, James called it sheep fatten for the slaughter. We go from one meeting to another, one conference to another, just gimme, give gimme, give gimme, give bless, me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. We become dead seas because there's an inflow, but then there's no outflow. God just bless me, fill me up. Now listen, am I for soaking? Yes. Am I for meetings? I'm here. Come on, are you all with me? But it can't stop right there. There, there, We have to turn from a reservoir and then turn into a river. And when our relationship with God is as a wife, but our relationship with this world is as sons of God. Because all creation is growing for sons. Because the seed he puts in us, he now wants us to then release in the earth. And so it can't be just, give me, give me, give me, fill me, fill me. Fill me. It has to turn. Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. How many of you have done that? Come on, you came and drank. And he said, okay, now out of your innermost being shall flow rivers. In other words, you're no longer a reservoir. Now you're a river. Let it out. I run into Christians all the time that are pregnant. But they've been pregnant for 10 years. They've been in their ninth month because they've received the seed and they're waddling around. Listen, someday the water's gotta break and you gotta let the baby out. Lord, there's got to be some life that starts flowing out of us. That's where, that, 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 that's where when, when we have right foundation, it, it's not just about receiving, but it's then being a blessing, not just getting blessed. And, the, and there's a flow constantly. That, that, that's why the cross went two ways. It was vertical and it was horizontal. It's what he does with me and in me, and now what he wants to do through me and as me. It's having a revelation... As a son, there's something about that, 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 that sonship. Jesus came, the Bible says, to bring many sons to glory. Jesus came to bring many sons to maturity. If I can't see myself as a son that the Father is pleased with, I can have a revelation of Jesus, but never know then who I am, and then I wonder why the gates of hell do prevail against me. It is having that twofold foundation in my life. There's, there's something about it. You know, Abraham, the Bible says, went looking for a city with foundations, whose builder and maker was God. I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but Abraham never found the city because it was never a place. The city was in his loins. Hello, city of God. Hello, city, set on a hill. Hello, city of Abraham. Hebrew says, we are now come to Mount Zion. We're not going to Zion. We're not marching to Zion. We're, we are Zion. We are come to Mount Zion, the city of God with an innumerable company of angels and the church of the firstborn. The city. Matter of fact, if you take all the people out of this place, if you study the word city, Hebrew and Greek, it is always a people. It's never a place. That's why the new Jerusalem... It's not just about a place. You you, you don't clothe a place in white. Come on, you clothe people with white. Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. No, you're not. No, you're not. You are the temple. Abraham went looking for a city, never found it because it was in his loins because it was about the sons and daughters that would be produced. God said this to me in 1998. He said the American church as a whole, and please, I'm generalizing. As a whole, he said, has been overrun with the spirit of Absalom. And the Bible says this about Absalom. Absalom built monuments to himself because he had no sons. I preach in buildings all the time that at one time had 2,000 people and it now have 50. Why is that? Because a man built a monument to himself... But then when it came time for him to pass it on, he never raised anybody up to take over. If we're not reproducing sons and daughters, uh, back several years ago, I asked the Lord a question. I said, God, why did Malachi say it's the spirit of Elijah that turns the hearts of the children of the fathers? Why Elijah? Why not Elisha? Elisha had twice the miracles. He had a double portion. And as I was meditating on it, I got to 2 Kings, and I was reading the story where some men were carrying a friend who had died, and they saw the enemy in the distance. And when they saw the enemy in the distance, they got afraid. They dropped the dead man. He rolled down into the cave where Elisha's bones were. Do you remember that story? And the Bible says that when they touched Elisha's bones, there was so much anointing still in Elisha's bones that the man rose from the dead. And I started reading, and I got excited because in my 20s, I preached a message called Anointed to the Bone. Hallelujah. But all of a sudden, I started to get grieved. And I was like, Lord, why am I getting grieved? He said, the reason you're feeling grieved over this is because no man or woman should ever go to the grave with her anointing. Amen. And he said, the reason it's the spirit of Elijah is Elijah left his mantle with the next generation before he left. Elisha went to the grave with his. He did not reproduce himself in the next generation generation. That is the heart of everything Father is about. He's about us. That's why Paul said to Timothy and Titus, you older men pour into the younger men. You older women pour into the younger women. First John says that there's three dimensions of people sitting right here tonight. There's children, there's young men, and there's fathers. That doesn't mean, that means even a female can father because a father is reproducing after their own kind. Come on, are you hearing me? It doesn't just take a male to father. There is a fathering aspect of the kingdom that's on every single believer because God wants us to grow to maturity because a child has the potential to reproduce but it can't yet it's not grown a teenager can reproduce but it don't know what to do with the baby when it gets the baby because it don't know how to care for it it's only a father that knows how to reproduce and do something with it and the heart foundationally of what God is building in his kingdom first of all the son but then sons it's always been on his heart that's why he sent his son. He didn't send the spirit. Come on, to die. He sent his son because he knew if I give up my son, I can get all these sons. It's always been the heart of the father. It's about sons. I remember, I remember years ago reading the story of Hezekiah the king. Uh, Isaiah walked in and began to prophesy to Hezekiah, and He said this: He said, "You shall surely die. You're going to be turned over to your enemies." The Bible says, "Turn around to walk out." Hezekiah turns his face to the wall and begins to cry to God. Before prophet, he's even out of the building. God turns him around, he walks back in. He says, "God says you've got 15 more years. I'm going to defeat your enemies." But what was supposed to come on you instead is going to come on your kids. And Hezekiah says, so be it. That's not what father's looking for in this hour. That is not the heart of a father. That is the heart of a hireling and a slave owner and a slave master who has a plantation that he calls a church. I don't know about you, but if something was supposed to come on me and the word of the Lord came to me and said, it's not going to happen to you, but it's going to happen to your kids, I'd say, no, no, I'll take it. Spare my seat. Daddy can handle it. Put it on me. Don't do it to my kids. I want the next generation to go so much further than me. And there's nothing that excites me more than when I, I, I watch my kids leading worship and, 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 and loving God and prophesying and watching my spiritual sons and, and, and daughters. I, I mean, their ministry is going further than me. Nothing excites me. Why? Because it's, it's foundational in everything. That's where it doesn't matter if you've been saved a year or two. God puts something on the inside of you to then pour into somebody else. It's not just for the fivefold ministry gifts. It's not just for leaders of ministries. God has placed something in every single one of you that somebody needs what you're carrying. The world's got all kinds of big brothers and big sister programs in the the church. Half ignores it. Because we're all consumed with just the sun. And we're just consumed. And listen, that's good. That's a good thing. But I also am consumed... Seeing this next generation go further. I'm tired of every generation having to start from ground zero. I'm grateful that I'm standing on the shoulders of my, my mom and dad. Amen. I didn't have to start over. My parents' first mission trip was my first mission trip. I was, I was already in my 20s. They'd never even been overseas. When my dad went to Bible school, he had two white shirts, a black pair of pants, a skinny little black tie, had to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich a day for every day except for Sunday. I mean, he was working 40 hours a week going to Bible school full time. When my brother and I went to Bible school, uh, you know, someone gave us a car. We had 15 suits, more shirts and ties we knew what to do with. And thank God we finally got rid of those uh, in the church. But anyway, <laughs> I'm so glad I ain't got to wear all that no more. <laughs> there was a season that if you didn't, once nobody would listen to you. And, and, and I, I mean, what God did in us, I mean, so, so so much further. My dad, if you come visit my mom and dad, I mean, they just finally in like the last five years got out of a parsonage and bought their own house, and, and it's a beautiful little home. But they they love when their friends come to visit them to show them their house. But then they drive over to my house because I've got twice the square footage they got. They walk in and they show everybody. Look look at my boy says. Look what God's done for my boy. Look what He's done for my son. So you know, my wife and me, we always got to make sure everything's picked up because so my dad will call. Hey, by the way, I took someone through the house. <laughs> I was like, you know, uh, was it clean? (laughs) You know, thanks, Pop. Did you go through and pick everything up first at least? But but there's something that takes place when we have a heart, not only to know the son, but when we realize that God has called us his sons. And he's not angry with us. He's not in a bad mood. His face is shining on us. You You know what a lot of people's vision of God is? their father's look. your dad ever give you the look? Come on, think about it. You know, and sometimes when we think of God as father, when we hear father, we remember back to the look. And that's many times that we think God feels towards us. He says, I'm going to make my face to shine upon you. Man, da- daddy's not up in heaven giving you the look. The only look is, that's my kids. Whew. He ain't Peter Pan, but I'm telling you, man, he's flying because he's got happy thoughts. Whew. All he's got's happy thoughts towards you. But see, the quicker I get a revelation, I, I got to get out. I'm, I'm almost done. Are, are, are you doing all right? All right. All right. I'm, all right thank you. Thanks for the permission. Because, But I also know folks can only handle so much in one sitting. So, listen, I'm releasing a lot right now, but now watch. Not only is the son the chief cornerstone, and sonship, knowing who we are in him, also a cornerstone. Not the, a cornerstone. But the third one, according to Ephesians chapter 3, is apostles and prophets. As Paul said, the foundation of the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Listen very closely. The apostolic and prophetic is supposed to be woven through the basement, not on the steeple. Let me, let me say that again. In other words, they're not over everybody. They're under everybody. It's not being the hefe, the chief over. It is being the chief under. It is it is being the chief servant pushing everybody higher, not with authority walking in saying, you got to come kiss my ring, carry my stuff. Come on, you with me? Been there, done that, got 10 t-shirts. You can't even get near them because they got their bodyguards, you know. Well, the disciples tried that, and boy, Jesus dealt with them, didn't he? What do you think you're doing, man? Tell the babies to come here and jump on my lap. Jesus was touchable. He was real. He was sincere. There was no wax. And if you've got a heart of a father or a mother, how can you tell someone, sorry, man, I'm just too big to talk to you? If you view God's people as 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 his children and those that you're called to pour into? How, how can you treat people? I, I, I can't. It doesn't compute. Because the true foundation laying of the apostolic and the prophetic is not only are they foundation layers, that's why Paul said if anyone comes to you and preaches any other Jesus, or he said any other gospel than my gospel. That's pretty bold right there. He didn't even call it The gospel. He's talking to Gentiles. He said, if any of them Judaizers come in and preach other any other gospel than what I'm preaching. He said, if they're trying to add something to it, run. Run. He said, focus on this gospel. This is the message to the Gentiles. Now, if you're a Jew, you know, I mean, listen, knock yourself out. <laughs> You know, I tell people all the time, well, I, I, I love all the Jewish stuff. I said, man, go ahead, keep the law, man. Listen, the law is good when it's used lawfully. The law is just not for the righteous. But, you know, if you want to keep it, knock yourself out. You know, I, I, I had someone tell me, well, I still believe that we're under the 10. I said, really? I said, do you have church on Saturday? They said, no. I said, then you believe in the nine. <laughs> I had one guy walk up to me and he said, well, I still believe that word. We're, we're supposed to we're supposed to still be under the Ten Commandments. And I said, is, is, is that bacon I smell in your breath? Some of y'all it'll hit you in a minute. You're eating that unclean animal? It is it's such hypocrisy sometimes. And and sometimes we we don't even, we don't even understand it. And and, and we, we can't do it anyway. That's why what kept the people of God out of the promised land, what kept them out of the promised land were ten spies. Listen, it's the ten that's always disqualifying you and spying what's wrong with you listen it's always the law it's always the 10 that keeps you out of your inheritance and your inheritance is christ And, and and they they began to speak to everybody and tell them they were grasshoppers and isn't it interesting that when jesus showed up who is our promised land john came first john means grace and grace the baptizer grace the immerser once grace comes eating grasshoppers washing it down with wild honey to let us know that the mindset that kept you out of the promised land now grace shows up eating the old mindset of a grasshopper and Locust mentality, washing it down with some wild honey. What's wild honey? Proverb says there's honey in the rock. It's a revelation of the sweetness of what it means to live in Christ. And he said, if you get a hold of that, well, you can step in anytime you want. The, the water's good. The water's fine. It's flowing with milk and honey. Man, it's full of life. It's full of life. My Lord, help me, Jesus. I got to stay focused. Isn't it interesting that? Through the book of Acts, when, when apostles and prophets just begin to function, they begin to not only lay new foundation, but they also begin to stir up old. If you remember the story of Paul and Sylvanus or Silas, they are in prison one day, and Paul's an apostle, Silas is a prophet. And they just decide they have a prayer meeting and sing. They're in prison. The Bible says. That immediately, at about midnight, the foundations of the prison began to shake. the Lord said this to me this past summer, uh, and I preached it at my conference. I said, what is a prison? It's a place where you go because you broke the law. It's a place you go to learn how to keep the law, to let the law transform you and a place to have your behavior modified. I said, that sounds like church. Anyway, hallelujah. And I said, "There's a whole lot of church prisons out there." Hallelujah! Mm, yeah, it's it's a church. It is a church jail. And and isn't it amazing that all it took was the apostolic and prophetic to just be who they were. Didn't do anything special. They didn't get all deep and wax eloquent. All they did was pray and seek God. And in the midst of it, the foundations began to shake. The doors flew open because something happens in a region. When they show up and lay right foundation, it digs up the old. The, the heart of God is not only for us to know the Son and to know our Sonship, but to know that we need in our lives sent ones that will be the individuals that will speak life into us. It doesn't mean they're better than any other gifts. It's just according to Scripture, they lay foundation. Pastors don't lay foundation, they build on the foundation. Teachers don't lay foundation. It it doesn't say in the book of Acts that they continued in the teacher's doctrine. Come on, you hear me? They continued in what? The apostle's doctrine. That doesn't necessarily mean it was an apostle teaching it. The word apostolos means sent. In other words, it was a moving, progressive, present truth, Peter called it. It's a moving doctrine. It's constantly living and alive. Hallelujah. It's producing when you hear it, it something jumping in you. It's it makes your baby jump because it's it's alive, it's not dead, it's not old, it's not stagnant, it stirs something in you. And the foundation of the church, one first corner, cornerstone, Jesus the Son. Another corner, sonship, but another corner is the apostolic and prophetic in their serving foundational form. Not the top of the steeple pyramid, not being up there to try to tell everybody, look at us, I'm the apostle of this region, shut up, I had a guy, guy, guy walk up to me one day, he'd come back from a prophetic conference, he walked in, he says, God told me I'm the prophet of this region, I said, well, good for you. And he said, "He said, I want to come and prophesy this Sunday. I said, well, you might be the prophet of the region. You ain't a prophet in this house. Amen. The truth is, you might have had a right word. But the whole way you just went about it is you showed up as a chief. You didn't show up with a towel. You showed up with a title. You, you showed up with a heart. See, the, the true apostolic and prophetic is woven in the basement. That's why it, it, it's not about being up here. It, it, it's about being down here. That's why to really know him, I have to humble myself and get down here. All right, if Jesus is the foundation, you know where you find Jesus? In the basement. You don't find Jesus in the lofty places. You find him on the floor. See, there's something that happens I, I don't i don't know what y'all have been exposed to I, I have i have been i have been exposed to every kind of stream you can imagine everybody who calls themselves a, an apostle a prophet a bishop a, you know truth is I, I don't call myself anything people call me stuff uh, i i don't put any title in front of anything i tell people paul said i may not be an apostle at all but I am to you I tell people you call me whatever I am to you you know hey if you call me bubba i 'll be bubba you know, I, 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 I could care less. One is sent ones. The last one is sound doctrine. According to the book of Hebrews, Paul said, I shouldn't have to come and lay foundation again. But by now, you should be able to go on to perfection. Uh, you know who Paul was talking to right there? And I really, I need you all to hear my heart right here. He was talking to the charismatic revival movement. Because revival is not New Covenant. The word revive is an old covenant mindset. God had to come visit because he couldn't live there. He's not visiting anymore. He's the resident. Revival showed up to this region the day the first Christians stepped on it. Because we're carriers of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Um, we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of doxazo, manifested glory is already in us. And if we think we're still Acts 1, why stand ye gazing into heaven? That's where a lot of the church still is. We're using revival. You know what revival is? It's going back to life you once had. It's constantly going backwards. Good teaching, brother. Hallelujah. Just Listen. I call it this. It's the church in the wilderness will be coming round the mountain till he comes. All right? And I was raised in the Pentecostal church, and we went around the mountain. We weren't living in the land of promise. We were acting like strangers in the wilderness. We did go in twice a year, once in the spring, once in the fall. Spring revival and fall revival. We had one every year, no matter what. We went in one, We went in one time of the year for Joshua, another time for Caleb, just so they didn't lose their mind. Hallelujah. Because they tasted of the land and they said we're able. They had to go hang out with a bunch of whiners, powders, and complainers for 40 years. They said, listen, Jesus, Father, please let us go in at least twice so we can tolerate this. I think there are two of the greatest men of faith in the Bible. I don't think I could have did it. Just hung out with whiners. I mean, they powder when they had too much, powder when they had too They complained about everything. It's too loud. Now it's too quiet. You're preaching too long. Now you're preaching too short. I mean, it's just some people you just can't please. No matter how hard you try. But that's been the mindset. We'll just keep going backwards. We're being revived when we should be living in Bible. Jesus said, if you drink what I give, you'll never thirst again. Why do we think we're thirsty? It's because preachers have told us we still are. I've had people for years come to the altar and say, would you pray for him? What do you want me to pray for you about? Well, I'm just, I feel so dry and thirsty. And I said, well, I understand traditionally what you're meaning. I'm not going to pray for that because the truth is, according to who you are in Christ, you are not dry and thirsty. You are a reservoir. You have an artesian well. You have righteousness, peace, and joy located in the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. Everything you'll ever need on this earth, it's already resident in you. And you just got to begin to now believe and activate by faith what's already there by grace. And listen, I've had more people, more people get mad at me. Especially through the 90s, because that was the revival season. <laughs> and I walked in and I told them, this isn't about revival, this is normal Christianity. Demonstrations, the gifts of the Spirit flowing, it should not be an event. <laughs> that should be normal Kingdom life. But you see, I, I actually had, I, I had one guy come to me in our region, and he said, man, I love your preaching. I'd really love to come to your church. He said, but God told me right now that I'm not supposed to get involved in any church because God showed me the next move. He's going to be in the Carolinas, and I'm, I'm ready. When it happens, I'm going to be able to move my family and go. I said, well, God bless you. I, 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 listen, I, I have little tolerance for ignorance. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Signs follow believers. Believers don't follow signs. You're going to run it. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going and visiting something when God's doing something special. And listen, don't don't misunderstand me. Y'all hear in my heart. But but listen, we've had this revival mentality for so long. It's nowhere in the New Testament. Nowhere. Matter of fact, in the book of Acts, when they gathered together to pray, not one time did they get together and say, Oh, God. Oh, God sent a revival. Oh, God ran the heavens. Matter of fact, Paul said in Romans 4, he said, the righteousness of faith speaks like this. Do not say, I will go to the heavens and bring God down here. He said, don't say that. The word is now you in your mouth. You're carrying the presence, man. The glory is already here. And you know, you know all that happens in worship? The worship doesn't manifest the glory. All it does is make us aware of what's already there. It's all, he's always been there. His life, you carry him everywhere that you go. But when we're constantly trying to get something, then what we do is we feel we have to have an Acts 2 and Acts 4 every time we get together. Only two times. In a house of worship, was there what we would consider a move? Two services in the whole book of Acts. Matter of fact, most of what was going on, we would come in here, be trained, equipped, and taught, sometimes so boring that we'd fall off the third loft and die. Why Paul was long preaching, Eutychus fell asleep. Why? Because they went from house to house as a family, breaking bread, fellowshipping, continuing the apostles' doctrine. Every time they did get, got together, they didn't have to... Oh, the glory. And, it, and if we don't have it, something's wrong. Because then what it does is this. Then we feel we have to constantly get in the flesh to reproduce something that's not there. And it produces mixture, fear... And all kinds of mess. I've had more people get mad at me talking about something like this. Because you don't mess with people's songs. And you don't mess with, you don't mess with revival. Bless God. Now listen, I, I do it with a lot more grace right now. Because, listen, God's really, you, you, listen, you better be glad I'm here at 45 and not 25 and 35. <laughs> Trust me, because I'd have just shoved it down your throat and you wouldn't have received it. You wouldn't have. Because God had to teach me, you can you can say the truth in such a manner that it's not received. You can speak the truth, but no one listens. Come on, you hear me? Because Because of the way that you're doing it. And, and. It, man, when I was younger, I remember getting in places and everybody, you know, in the 90s, everybody's singing an anointing, fall on me, and I and I'd get, and I'd get up and I'd say, "Can I get one scripture and verse for that song?" So the anointing doesn't fall; it flows. First John three: You have an unction. From the Holy One. And that anointing will teach you all things. It's not dropping out of the sky. Come on, are y'all hearing me? He wants to open you up and pour this life out of you. If we don't know where it's manifesting from, then we're going to constantly be in this ethereal... You know, I've got to go to the third heaven to get it. Listen... You're already there, and it's already here. I I don't have to go to get anything. Heaven came down. That's an old song. And glory filled my soul. That's scriptural. Because you see, what you don't know can hurt you. Ignorance is not bliss in the kingdom. It's not bliss. And and, and if we don't have sound teaching and doctrine... But being, being raised in the, in, the, in the Pentecostal Charismatic Church, you know, our favorite thing was it's better felt than tell. <laughs> it was. That, that was our favorite saying. Brother, it's better felt than tilt. Because we just want to feel the presence of God. And, and so we just feel the presence of God all, all, all the time. And, and, but most of our preaching was stupidity. It didn't make a lick of sense. It was full of mixture. It was full of confusion. And, and, and the people didn't know if, if God was there, if he was coming or going. Because we'd sing one minute, you know, oh, Holy, Holy Spirit. Oh, come Holy Spirit. And the next minute, we'd start teaching people the Holy Spirit's in them. And they're like, well, is he coming or is he going? Is, is, he, is he, you know, is he here or isn't he? I mean, and, and listen, James 1 says this. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. One translation of that says a double-covenanted man is unstable in all of his ways. He should think he received nothing of the Lord. Because when you're double covenanted, you, 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 we, we do it in our songs all the time. We sing an old covenant song, then we sing a new covenant. We'll say, well, but it's scriptural, yes, but wrong side of the cross. Yeah. Yeah. You can preach something that's Bible that completely puts people in bondage. Yeah. Wow. Because it's not sound apostolic doctrine. Yeah. Wow. See, the more we know the Son... And the more we know we are sons in the Son, and the more we have impartation from, first of all, let me say this, new covenant apostles and prophets. Because I've been around the old covenant ones, and they're, you know, they're the ones that, you know, Katrina, with God's judgment. God sent Sandy to wipe that mess of Wall Street out. Living in a new covenant age, still acting like old covenant prophets. It's having everything sound. That's a four square city. That is a foundation that is firm. So that what happens now is anyone else that builds on the foundation, they build on that. One thing I tell spiritual sons of mine, when I've gone in and I've helped them start churches... Part of my responsibility apostolically was to make sure the foundation was strong, and, and I've told them because a lot of times I'll go in and I'll do a lot of the preaching for the first year, lay foundation, and then I turn it to them. I don't, I don't, I don't need, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't have to control stuff. I am not a control freak, but I told them I said, "Your job, ju- you do, you take this any direction you want to go, but don't you touch the foundation." I said, "I laid the foundation. You build on this." If you, if you start to go off from the foundation, I'm going to show back up here. And I might be like Paul. You better hope I send a letter. Anyway. <laughs> He's like, I it might get a little ugly if I show up in person. And, that, and it's not to be mean. It's, it's still to, to love them as, as a loving father. But, but that's, that, that, that's my responsibility of that. You build on it because I don't want the next two generations to have to start from scratch. Man, I want them, I want them, man, my ceiling should be their floor. Man, I want them more blessed than me. I, want, I tell my kids, all. I tell my son, you're going to be so much better of a father than I was. Because I'm a better father than my father was. And I'm expecting, man, I, I can't wait to see my great grandkids someday because I know they're going to be even better father. The blessing of God goes to the thousandth generation. It's not supposed to keep getting worse. It's supposed to keep getting constantly increasing and better. When that is the right foundation. And I'm, I'm not going to go into all those doctrines in Hebrews. Someone say amen. We Listen, we'd be here. All, but, but, but just look at those six foundational. You know what I found? I know people that have been in church 40 years, never heard a sermon on the, on the foundational doctrine of laying on of hands. Other than just what we lay hands to ordains people or we lay hands on the sick. Uh, there's a whole lot more uh, in that teaching. And yet Paul called that milk, called a foundational. (laughs) Come on, you with me? And and the truth is, a lot of people, a lot of the Hebrews, they've not even been taught foundational stuff. I I mean, we jump into all kinds of other stuff rather than just our job is to raise up sons and daughters of the kingdom. Our job is not to raise up Christians sons and daughters of the kingdom. And sometimes that's a little slower process. It's easier to raise up Christians because all you got to do is give them the gospel of the church and they'll show up because you know what I've found? Many people prefer secure slavery over scary freedom. They prefer that. Paul said this, and I got to stop. Paul said this. He said that when, when the foundation is right, everything else stands strong. It won't get tore out because it's built on a sincere love and care for God and his people. I have a couple that start coming to our church. And uh, the first two months they got so set free they sat down with me at a meal one time, and they said, we've got to talk to you about something. They said, we got saved seven years ago, and we started going to a church. And the pastor of the church actually taught the people that if they didn't show up to every service, this pastor would tell them that they would pray that they get diarrhea. You know, I... I've been around a long time and w- right when you think you've heard it all, I, I looked at him and I said, you know, did a bell or whistle go off, <laughs> you know, like something ain't right here. I said, you realize that was witchcraft, right? They didn't know they were new believers Man, they, they were just hungry and sincere for God. And they said they didn't miss a service for five years. They didn't go on vacation. They were terrified to miss service, thinking they were going to get Montezuma's revenge. We're going to get the screaming memes for heaven's sakes. I mean, I mean, I I mean, what, what, what kind of, that's not sincere because that is manipulation and fear to keep people building your thing. When your heart, the purpose for fivefold ministry gifts according to Ephesians four is to equip the saints for the work of nearly every translation mistranslates it. It's not the ministry. It's their ministry that the purpose for the fivefold ministry gifts is to help equip you. It means to set a bone in order during surgery to help you find where you fit and help you fulfill your ministry. It's not just here to have you work on the ministry and help you. Our job should be to serve the destiny of others. If that's not at the front of our thought process, then we're going to be consumed with ourselves. All we're to do is going to get together, and, and I call it swap oil." All right, we're, we're, going to, we're going to be a bunch of people who just get together and give each other oil changes. Come on. That's why the little prophet's wife, the prophet died, and she goes to Elisha and she said, "My son are about to be taken as bondman. What do I do?" The prophet says, "What do you got?" Notice he didn't say, thus says the Lord, God is going to put a whole new mantle on you. He said, what do you got? She said, he said, what do you have in the house? What do you already carry? She said, all I got is an anointing of oil. He said, all right, you got the anointing, that's all you need. That's what I want you to do. He said, if you want fresh oil, he said, go find as many empty vessels as you can find. Start pouring the oil you have in your house into empty vessels. People walk around all the time, oh God, give me fresh oil. You can't get fresh oil by swapping oil with someone else who's already full of oil. Yeah. Well, good teaching, brother. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Listen, because this is what we do. We get together in church and we give each other oil changes. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with imparting. Please don't misunderstand me. How many of you know it's good for us to impart to each other, bless each other, prophesy? Don't misunderstand. But if that's all we do, when there's empty vessels we work with, and if we want fresh oil, you got to get rid of the old stuff. you got to pour what you... Stop being a reservoir and be a river. Take what you have and begin to pour it into others. And what's amazing to me is the oil kept pouring as long as they kept bringing empty vessels. I believe today, if they would have kept bringing empty vessels, we'd have been over there in Jerusalem, over in Israel, saying, check this out, man. This thing's been pouring for two, for three, four thousand years. Talk about a sign and a wonder? Hmm? That's why David said, God anoint me with fresh oil. The original Hebrew says, with fresh green oil. Because it only comes from the green room, according to the Song of Songs, that's the bedroom. Hallelujah. Listen, the green oil only comes from fellowship and intimacy with our heavenly husband. He said, anoint me with fresh green. It's not any oil. It's the green oil. It comes from a life of loving on him and then loving on others. When that's the foundation, everything else can stand firm and strong. Take what you got. Realize who you have, what you have. who you are. You're not a beggar. You're a son. You're not a slave. You're a son. You don't have to beg. Man, we're not asking for scraps from the table. Man, we get the prime rib. Man, we get to eat all the lamb we want. We got the best milk, the best bread, the best wine. And he's placed all that in his kingdom and he placed his kingdom in us. I, I made up my mind a long time ago. Father, I I, I want to go from being artistic which is where the prophetic church has been to being architectural. But not getting rid of the artistic. That's why Paul said I as a wise master builder an architect. He said I laid the foundation. He said now Everyone that builds, because you'll now build artistically, there's no artistry in the foundation. Foundations are not pretty. Come on, they're not exciting. Woohoo! I mean, who, nobody gets excited about foundations. The artistic then adds the prophetic. Adds and builds then on the foundation lane. They're part of the foundation. Pastors then they paint another picture. Teachers can then paint this picture. Evangelists begin to make the beauty of what God has called, and then the saints with all of the gifts in us. Lord have mercy. And it makes this incredible poem that comes together and makes a multifaceted incredible diamond that every time the light of the king reflects, we see a different clarity and a different cut and a different picture of who he really is. That's the heart of the master. That's what I want to say. How about you? Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, would you? Yeah, come play. Help me out there, man. I appreciate it. Father, I thank you tonight. Lord, for your absolute incredible incredible love for us and care for us. Lord, I thank you that truly in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, Lord, the pleasures forevermore is is in Christ. Uh, All we've got to know is that we're in the same seat. We're not going to die someday and go to the seat. When we die, our soul just gets connected with where our spirit already is already seated with you we're in you it's a land flowing with milk and honey there's no lack it's full of righteousness it's full of peace it's full of joy it's full of gifts it's full of wine it's full of bread thank you for the awesomeness of your kingdom Reveal afresh to us, Lord. I thank you for everything that you've already started in this ministry, and Lord, the things that you've started in the hearts of all your people. There's there's foundation that's already been being laid, Lord. I'm 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 not here to root anything up. I'm I'm just here to add to, just to encourage and, and, and strengthen. And I I ask that you just absolutely. Reveal yourself to each of us tonight. Show us the white-haired Jesus. Give us a fresh glimpse of the new covenant Jesus. And then give us a glimpse truly of who we are in you. Give us a glimpse of the ministry of you as the chief apostle. You are the apostle. You are the the prophet and the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus it's still about you always has been about you quicken in us doctrine that's already been set in us and reveal it let it come alive Lamb of God open up the book to us we are that book living epistles written and read of all men now open us up and Lamb of God reveal reveal the book reveal the life that's only you and only you are. We bless you. We bless you, Father. We bless you. Come on, everybody lift your hands, would you? We bless you tonight, Father. We magnify you. We worship you for all of your awesomeness, all of your glory, all of your might. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. you worship you. Father, help us to just be aware of what's already there. We're not having to go get into something, the something has already got into us. We're not having to try to go in to, get into your presence. Your presence has already got in us. We just want to release it out. We don't want to tie your presence up in us. You're already there. Just get loose in the temple. Untie every, everything. Tied up in us, so there can be a release. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Now, I want you to just keep worshiping. I need to bring it down just to here. I need to keep playing though. Thank you. I need to release a couple things first, and then we're going to shift in another direction. Lord told me almost 20 years ago, everywhere I went, that everything flows, uh, it flows from leadership now, uh, and then flows when the leaders in the proper place, up from the leaders to the people, because the first is last. You know, it, it's amazing that apostolically, Paul called the apostles the least, but then the apostles are the least and lead. <laughs> so it's like, it's like... They're the least, but at the same time, they're the leader. Anyway, that's why the first is last, and the last is first. And the word the word first there actually is the slave. The, fir- or the, la- the word last, the first is the, the slave, and the slave is the first. It's called being a bond slave. Uh, but I, I, I heard this. Uh, I heard this one thing a week ago, and this afternoon, uh, after talking with you, the Holy Spirit uh, said this. Man, extremely clear to me. I, I'll tell you, uh, what I saw is I saw the Valley of Dry Bones and in the valley of dry bones there was first a a, first a wind began to flow and what God's been doing in here it's a fresh wind Uh, God stirred something uh, in your hearts to be able to do something new and fresh it it took a minute, it took a season but but, but you stepped out by faith both of you stepped out by faith then the scripture says that after the wind began to blow that then it said that there was this valley full of bones and the bones began to rattle and shake And it said, bone began to go to bone. It's actually translated in the Hebrew, bone began to go to its bones. In other words, the picture is this. Here's this heap of bones in a valley, and bones were climbing over other bones to find their bones. And what God is going to bring you, right, right, right now this region is full of all kinds of dry bones. And, and right now they're rattling, they're shaking, rattling, and rolling. There's all kinds of stuff that's going on. But, but the bones are climbing over other things to try to find their fit. And, and Father just wants you to know that what He's doing is that that has already taken place. Just you even starting this has brought a shaking and a rattling in, in some things in this region, especially uh, in, in, in the spirit realm. But now, what's going to happen is when the bones find the bones, then the bones come together and it produces an army. And, and, and the heart of the Father is to see that army, to see a family, a Actually, he doesn't even call it the army verbiage. He calls it a people. A people. And, and, and what I kept hearing the Lord say is, is, is over both of you, that there is sincerity. I heard the Lord say this this afternoon. There's no cracks. There's no cracks. It's a sincere heart for God and a sincere heart for his people. And because of that sincerity, that, that God is going to then trust you. The Holy Spirit said this to me a year ago and said the fields are always white into harvest. There's never an issue with God bringing in a harvest. The issue is him finding leaders he can trust to harvest with that won't abuse him, that won't harm him, that won't hurt him. And I heard the Heavenly Father say, and this afternoon clear as a bell, there's no wax, the sincerity is there and he's going to be able to trust you. Trust you. The fields are white all over this region and he's going to be able To trust what he started in you. You've already started laying the foundation. It's time. You're not even in the building season. This is still the foundation season. It's going to be another year or so before you even start building. Start building. I'm not talking about natural buildings. This is a whole new day. This is a whole new season. And Papa has not brought you here by accident. But I also heard this need you to hear this one closely i i know you are a female but i kept hearing god say to tell her that she's a david because the anointing on david was not just as a priest but also as a king and there's been this struggle in you because there's an anointing not only for ministry but also for marketplace and the struggle has been the old wineskin was either or You either had to do this or you had to do that. And Father wants you to know this is not an either-or issue. This is a both-and issue. Because there is a segment of the marketplace that he has anointed you to transform. That also will release the wealth to do everything you want to do on the ministry side. Don't run from that. And, and he, he's going to open the doors. Don't, don't try to knock any doors down either. There's the right time and the right season. But there's been this struggle inside you. Like, God, should I do this or that? And he says, yes and yes. Do this and that. It's not an either or. It's a both and. Not, not to consume your time. Because there's simple little things that he's put in you that, that, that can produce some stuff. But he didn't, he didn't walk you through your training period. It all to the curb uh, to just do one thing, it's it's an anointing for both. Everybody, stretch your hands toward them, would you, Father? I I just speak life over this woman of God. Thank you, Father, for her leadership. I I ask, Lord, that everything in her, Lord, you just activate it in a whole fresh way, Lord. You, you declare, Paul Paul said, I want to come that I might impart spiritual gift it wasn't putting something in it was just pulling out and father i thank you for the anointing that you place father not only on this woman of god but father on this man of god father i, I thank you that this is this is a rock of stability i, I thank you father that this is as I, I, as I, as i declared this afternoon this is this is the discerner of the house this is this is a strength this is the, 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 this is a, a, a Peter, this is a stone this is, this is a rock There is a solidness And there is a, a, a clarity That God has placed Father, I thank you for it That you brought them together, not by accident But Father, with divine purpose In mind and Father, I just thank you I thank you for what you started I thank you now, Father, for that foundation That foundation that foundation getting firmer and stronger and increasing and growing. Father, I just release that over them. And Father, I, I just, I, I keep hearing this for the house corporately. Heavenly Father wants you to know that this house is his son and who he is well pleased. Father affirms. Father affirms. you are not a bastard. You are not an orphan. You are not a rebellious son. Father affirms. And he says, I'm pleased. Not only with you, but I'm pleased with what's in your heart. And I hear the Father say for this house, for the rest of you, Father wants you to know this is a safe place. This is... This is a safe place. This is not a place that you'll be wounded or beaten or attacked. There's no fist in the house. There is a hand of blessing says the Lord. You can remove you can remove the callousness of lack of trust. This, this is safe. This is safe felt it when I walked in the door it's safe doesn't mean everybody that walks in here is going to be safe but the leadership is safe it's not manipulative, it's not controlling it's sincere it's sincere Hallelujah! I need someone to say so be it to that man that's good news right there man that's good news man I, got, I heard this at lunch there, there is uh, everything that Father's brought you through it's also been to produce this incredible incredible compassion there is this thing that God's done in you that, that, that makes you seek out the underdog that, 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 that makes you run after the disenfranchised that, that, that wants to love on the unlovely and 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 the father says it's because of the pain. There's been a purpose in your pain. He wants you to know there, there's a, a future in all the frustration that you went through. But because there, there is a not only prophetic, but there is a healing. And there there there, there 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 has been this desire in you. This desire in you to empty out hospitals. There's been this passion in you to just to do radical things that other people would say he's crazy he out, he's out of his mind he, Galen's lost it who does he think he is I know who he used to be and where he came from but father says from this day on there's going to be a fresh activation come on everybody stretch your hands this way Soko Rebeshike. Father, I call those gifts, that manifestation of the Holy Spirit, I call, Father, healing, miracles, virtue, flowing, flowing, Father, flowing, flowing. I I decree that, Father, from this night on, it's going to be different. It's always been there. I decree it's just going to be something shifted, something shifted. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Thank you. Father, your amazing, incredible love. Your amazing, incredible love. Huh. This has already started to happen to you make sure you keep next to your bed Uh, whether whether it's an iPhone, an iPad, an MP3 uh, because he's going to start manifesting through you in the night season and and, and listen close, as I keep hearing this, sing unto the Lord a new song, but but listen close because you need to hear this, this is very important the new song is not necessarily about a brand new song. That scripture in, in the book of Psalm, it says this, Singing the Lord a new song. Let the children of Zion, not Sinai. Let the children of Zion sing aloud in their bed. It's a new covenant song. It, it, it's not an old covenant song. It's not a song mixed with law. It's a song affirming how Father now sees his people. And there is a whole new sound of affirmation that is coming out of the body of Christ. It's a a new song. It's going to have a new sound. It's going to resonate in the hearts and minds of complete unbelievers. And there's a new sound he's placed in you, son. And Father wants you to know that you're better than you're acting. You're better than you think you are. You're better than what happened yesterday. You're better than what happened on the way here. You're better than what happened last month. Father is affirming you over and over. And the more you see his face, he's going to begin to release a sound that is going to be sung, not just in these mountains, but there's going to be a sound that is going to be sung in the nations, declares the Lord. Come on, everybody stretch your hands this way. Father, I I, I decree that. Father, that, that, that minstrel and that psalmist, Father, that prophetic anointing that you placed on the inside of him. Lord, I thank you that it's already there. I just call it activated. Father, I, I decree from this night on, I, I decree the song of the Lord flowing freely, no hindering, no hindering, no hindering, no hindering, no hindering, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Father, I, I decree it. I decree it. Uh, what's your name, sis? Fran. Fran? Is it Fran? Fran? Cine. Fran? Oh, Francine. <laughs> All right. Help me out again, man. Sorry, I keep that minstrel it. to Help me. It'll help me. I understand you stop for a minute, but just stick with me. Come on. We're supposed to be naturally supernatural. This ain't supposed to be spooky. Sometimes we try to get so mystical that everybody thinks wow, aren't they something? No, no. This ain't about whether I'm anything. He's something. Because a gift should not draw you to the man. It should draw you to Christ. I don't want it to be a show. Come on, worship. Turns into a show, I'm going to go get something to eat. Francine. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm tell you what I'm hearing. It, it's going to... You know, how what I love about the Word of the Lord is God speaks to us uh, also in a way not only that we can understand, but also almost in a way that we would put it. You know what I mean? Like when He talks to me, He talks in my verbiage. You know, He talks in my tongues. You know the Gospel of Jamie. He talks in my verbiage. And and, and uh I, I don't want to offend anybody with this. I'm just going to, I'm telling you that what I'm hearing. Uh, I, I, I keep seeing, uh, I, I, there's a passage of scripture uh, where David was going to go out to battle. And God said to him, He said, I, I don't want you to go out into battle till you see the moving in the tops of the mulberry trees. But he said this, what I'm, what I'm God, he said, what the word of the Lord is, what I'm going to do for you, he said, is I'm going to bring forth, he said, a breaking forth of mighty rushing waters. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release something. And, and it's actually translated there. Uh, the word breaking forth gives a picture of a dam. All right, so like, like there's been a dam and there's full of water, a reservoir. And all of a sudden, the dam is removed or God breaks through the dam. And I, I'm just telling you what I keep hearing the Lord say. There's some things you've been believing for and a father says he's getting ready to give you a damn breakthrough. Hallelujah I, I. and, and. I. listen you talk to him about it I'm, I but but for some reason that, that, that that's what you needed to hear because father's about to open up there's been this damn inside that's been been stopping up some of the flow and it's not been it's not been your issues or anything else it's some of the things you've been through. It's been some of the hurt, some of the wounds you've been in places that have done this. And and now you're in a place that's doing this. And God is starting to open you up. He's starting to pour you out. He's starting to release and activate the gifts. You sat in church for a long time and just sat there like a dumb sheep. And now all of this, God's opening up. All this stuff in you, and you're not sure even what to do with it, but it's most exciting. Matter of fact, in the last year or two, you've grown more in the last year than you grew in the 10 years before. And God's been doing such a quick work and a good work on the inside of you. But get ready because the breakthrough. Come on, everybody, stretch your hand. Father, I decree that damn breakthrough. <laughs> Woo! Lord, I ask that you open her up and begin to pour out everywhere she goes not just here I decree on the job at Walmart in the marketplace flow through with those gifts words of wisdom words of knowledge by the prophetic flow thank you Father (laughs) it's breaking forth I decree it over her Father in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus. Uh, sir, would you come here man? What's your name? Is it Robert? Robert. It's awesome to meet you, Robert. I like you. Man, you just want to hug him, don't you? Man, look at that smile. If you don't mind me asking, how old are you? 74. Only. Oh, that's right. I, you know, when I was preaching, every time I looked at you, I kept hearing the Lord say two things. First of all, to let him know that he is a Caleb. Caleb. Okay. You know, that's right. That this isn't a season to retire, but refire. Hear me? Caleb said, I'm 85. And I'm as strong now as I was back then, both to go out and to go into war. And I don't know what God promised you in the past. But Heavenly Father just wanted me to whisper to you, to let you know that you're not going to be left behind. There's some some things He showed you even years ago. And the Father wants you to know that your best days aren't behind you, but they're still in front of you. You will bring forth fruit, Robert, in your mature years. There there is a fathering heart inside you that this next generation needs. And I I heard the Father say, you are not going to the grave. With your wisdom and the anointing that God has placed in you, it's time to start letting it out, Robbers. Hear me? Whether you think so or not, there's, there's a generation out there that needs you. They, 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 they need what you've been through. They need You've been where many of them are going. They need you. Don't let the Gehazi's frustrate you. I'm convinced the reason that Elisha went to the grave with his anointing is because he got offended with the next generation. That's where my dad was a few years ago. He told me, he said, son, I don't understand your generation and the younger one. I don't understand the work ethic I don't understand the way they dress I don't understand nothing about them he said it just frustrates me I said dad you don't need to understand it's just love us we're not supposed to be like you but just pour your heart but you see he saw so many Gehazi's that went after the title and the money and got offended And so he kept what he had don't don't, don't keep what you have Robert God's done too much in you too much hear me too much father's got more yet for your future more yet for your future lift your hands come on everybody father I speak blessing over Robert and Lord I I ask that father you would stir again As as you said to Timothy stir up the gift that he received fire it up it actually says father fire up again Lord a passion Lord Lord. there was a season when he was younger and it he was full of zeal no knowledge Father now you put a bunch of knowledge in him I ask that you activate the zeal again I ask that you renew his youth like the eagles bless Robert put a fresh hunger and a fresh encounter in him a fresh desire Lord that white hair that white hair reflecting you <laughs> father let that father how how many kids you got I just heard the father say this how many grandkids there's some things God promised you how long you been serving yeah listen there's some things God promised you and and there's been times where you thought you know God you know there's some words you spoke to me things you said man is that ever going to happen father wants you to know yeah but in them He's not done with you. But you see, whether he speaks it to you, if he speaks it to you, we speak into your seed. So whether he does it for you, 900 years later, God is blessing David's children. And he said, not for their sake, but for my servant David's sake. Hear me? And, and, and Father wants you to not, uh, I, I don't know any situations that's going on, but Father says he, he wants your heart to rest. Listen, he's, he, he, he's got it he's a stalker he's chasing them down you hear me uh, there, there's been things a few things went a little heavy some things going on uh, not horrible things but just whether it's kids or grandkids father said just rest he's got it he's got it brother heavenly daddy's got it you just continue in thanksgiving you keep worshiping watching what he does you hear me you continue in thanksgiving watching what he does man like I gotta let, I gotta get away from him I'm just gonna keep hugging him that's all i want to do is nothing. That's all i to want to do. Everybody lift your hands. Father, I bless you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your love for us. Your incredible blessings in our lives. Incredible blessings in our lives. I don't know normally how y'all do everything around here got so much room up here. Do, do you normally have folks? All right. Yeah, let's move some stuff out of the way. That'll work. Now, th- this is what I want us to do. And, uh, I'm going to ask whoever's a part of the team here to uh, to also help me. I, I, I don't. I don't like. I don't like any one man. Uh, anything. Uh, God is. Uh, God is all about team. He functions in team. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he, he, he doesn't just do everything, even by Himself, and, uh, but tonight I, I, I felt part of the direction the Holy Spirit gave me, was not only to release a few things, Is what I'm preaching, God will show me certain individuals, um, and, and, and we're going to pray for you too, and He may give me some things for some others, I'm not going to line everybody up, because to be honest with you, uh, I'm, I'm I'm not, I'm not going to prophesy. Just because you want me to prophesy, I'm not. I'm not going to get into, into witchcraft for you. Say amen or not, that's all right. I'm just not. I'm. I'm not. I'm not. The, I'm not going to perform uh, for anybody. But I do want to impart something tonight, and, and and I really, absolutely, absolutely believe that one thing God wants to do is He wants us to lay hands on your eyes for there to be a fresh vision and perception. anything over the last year I have been praying John 3 every day over my life it is not yet King James says appeared that's why most people threw that scripture into the second coming is not what it means at all it has not yet been revealed what we shall be but when he who the resurrected Savior is revealed that means I need a continual revelation. I can't live on one revelation of him. When he is revealed, I'll be like him and then I'll see him as he is, not as he was, as he is right now seated at the right hand of the Father, full of glory, full of majesty. I not only come to a cross and 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 thank him for what he finished but i don't stay at the cross i've now ascended. it's the ascended life not just the crucified life i'm now seated with him in heavenly places far above principalities far above powers that's why listen i don't have any time running around attacking principalities and powers they're under my feet i don't need to come up to the mountains to get them last two years I've been flying into places to preach and I'll get up on a Sunday or wherever I'm there and I'll say man on my flight in here on my flight in here God showed me clear as a bell the ruling spirit over the region my ears start perking up I said how many want to know the ruling spirit over this region I said are you ready the Holy Spirit listen That freaks some Christians out well. It doesn't show it on our map. On our map, we see all the demons. I walked into a church one time. They had mapped out their whole county, and everything was full of red dots. And I said, can anybody show me where Jesus lives around here? Because that's where I'll move to. Sometimes we get caught up. Why are you trying to resurrect what Jesus took care of? You spoil Prince of, There is no Prince of Persia blocking your prayers. We're not living in the old covenant. You've got direct access. You're already there. And all we need is a fresh unveiling to see him in a new manner. So do you have any? Is there any oil? Where's the oil at? I'll slap it on you. <laughs> We don't even got the keys of the kingdom. Look at him. Come on, lift your hands. <laughs> Father, you're awesome tonight. Ooh, there we go. Yeah, my. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And I want you to do this. We're going to just begin to magnify him because how our perception changes when you put a magnifying glass on something, it doesn't change the object; it just changes your perception of it. So when we magnify the Lord, we're not we're not changing Him. He, he, he's who He is, but we're getting a different glimpse of who He is. That's why that's why the importance of worship is He gets bigger and bigger and bigger. His hair gets whiter and whiter and whiter. And we begin to see how, and he gets, he starts smiling more and more and more and more. And daddy's not giving us the look. All he's got is a grin on his face. And he's saying, These are my sons and daughters, and who I am so pleased with. Not because of what they've done, but because they're in my son. And because he's pleasing to me, they're pleasing to me. I affirm them, I love them. And so I want you to do this. I want you to step out and come on up here with me. Come on. And we're going to begin to just lay hands on you. And I'm going to ask you all to help me to get some oil. And I'm not going to just be me. Whoever you want to grab a hold of to help me. Hallelujah. Come on in a little closer so everybody can get in there. Thank you, Father. Thank you. If you want to go that way, if you guys want to go that way, I'll, I'll I'll, I'll run right up the middle. How's that? this is what we're going to do listen listen just a minute this is what we're going to do I know I I like him first time I met him I said Lord have mercy I want us to get I want us first of all to get in a receiving position come on lift those hands and listen that's this way put your hands like this You're not striving to grab something. Your children saying, Dad, I thank you that everything, it's your good pleasure to give me the kingdom. You're not holding out on me. No good thing will you withhold from me. And I receive everything you have. And what we're going to do is we're just going to begin to anoint your eyes and we're going to pray over you and ask that God give you a fresh glimpse, a fresh revelation. And, and, And whatever God wants to do, from words or gifts that listen, just let the Holy Spirit do what it does, so come on everybody I want you to close your eyes though because this is not naturally discerned we walk by faith not by sight, it's is spiritually understood, and I believe tonight he wants to give some people some visions he wants to give you some clarity and open up some things that have been locked up inside you, in the name of Jesus, and whatever's on you to sing go on ahead and sing it, everybody receive go ahead and start laying hands
1: Jesus And if I have breath And if I have breath And I will praise you Jesus And up on the mountain Down in the valley You have my Up on the mountain Down in the valley though you have my heart This I know with my head yours you will lead me over the mountain Through the valley to your fountains That never run dry. Yes, I know with my hand in yours you will lead me over the mountain Through the valley to the old fountains then never end i singing oh, 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 oh. my heart as you have won my heart as you have won my heart oh yes you have won my heart as you have won my heart as you have won my heart oh through every trial and tribulation on this journey of my soul Come be the vision that holds my eyes to your throne Through every trial and tribulation on this journey of my soul Come be the vision that holds my eyes to your throne Singing oh oh, oh. oh, oh, oh. dark places Cause your fire It burns in me And I am a lighthouse In dark places Cause your fire It burns in me And I am a lighthouse in dark places, because your fire. You burn in me, yeah. I am a lighthouse. In dark